This podcast is supported by the Richmond Area Chamber of Commerce and the McFadden family. Hi, welcome to Ray County Voices, a news, sports, and entertainment podcast covering and commenting on the goings-on in Ray County, Missouri. I'm your host, Sean Roney of the Richmond News. Our first guest is Natalie Lamar, director of the Richmond Area Chamber of Commerce, a sponsor of this podcast. On April 3, 2020, I interviewed Ms. Lamar by phone. We touched on two key topics of concern to many Ray County residents. One, the effects of the coronavirus pandemic on local businesses, and two, plans for the Richmond Mushroom Festival, an event that usually takes place the first weekend of May and has been staged annually since 1981. Here's what she had to say. Well, welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. We really appreciate this opportunity. So we'll start off with the big issue that's on most people's minds, which is the coronavirus pandemic. Um, How have local businesses turned to the chamber for support since the coronavirus pandemic escalated? And what kinds of support, whether it's emotional or financial, can the chamber provide to uh, area businesses? Well, you know, it's kind of evolved. In the very beginning, we were getting a lot of contact, um, you know, trying to help businesses determine whether or not they were considered essential, whether or not the guidelines presented by the CDC were a recommendation or a law that they had to abide, and that's kind of where it started at with the Chamber. It has more now um, turned into we are helping businesses navigate the CARES Act and the updates with unemployment and the FF, I believe it's FFCMA, which is the addition to the FMLA that people were already able to to get. So that's where we're at now is trying to help companies um, navigate through the SBA and different things like that so that hopefully they'll be able to stay open and continue to operate once the pandemic is over. And related to what you just said, what what kinds of questions have have businesses generally had regarding the the SBA assistance and and some of the other things you mentioned? Well, a lot of um entrepreneurs and small business owners in the community, one particular part they're having a hard time navigating is determining the amount of loss they will incur from the the virus. Um, Since it occurred like at the kind of at the end of the first quarter, they're required to report that first quarter earnings with their application, but that doesn't reflect losses that they're going to incur. So that's one of the things that they're having a hard time navigating um, in that situation. And honestly, with that one, I'm referring them to go and visit with their loan advisors all of the financial institutions in town that do business loans are able to help with the SBA application. And so I'm referring them to just please contact your loan advisor and they will be able to help you navigate through that particular portion of it. And have you been inundated with with calls since the CARES Act's been passed? We have received a lot of phone calls and emails, text messages and um, messages from like Facebook and things like that with um, people with a lot of questions, yes. One other thing before we move on to discussing the the Mushroom Festival is that in the Richmond News and its sister paper, the Excelsior Springs Standard, there was a a story that had mentioned you and your Excelsior Springs counterpart discussing the ways that that businesses have, have been creative during the coronavirus pandemic. Just 
what kinds of reports have you heard from area businesses in terms of ways they found to be able to stay open and, and provide services during this time? A lot of companies have been able to transition over to online sales so that they're still able to do some sort of business. Um, for instance, Town Square Mercantile and North Star Wellness here in Richmond, those are two that I know are um, doing a lot of online stuff. So that way they can still operate but stay well within the safety precautions that are um, mandated by the government. And now turning to the Richmond Mushroom Festival, is it still the plan to decide on April 15th if the Richmond Mushroom Festival will be postponed to June 11th through 13th? Or has that changed now that it's being recommended that the, the social distancing and the shelter-in-place guidelines be followed through the end of this month? Actually, um, you will be the first to know. The board has officially voted, and this it will actually be the official statement that um, as of today, we are postponing the Mushroom Festival at, to June 11th through 13th in hopes that the sickness has made its way through Missouri and that life is somewhat back to normal by the middle of June. Do you or does the board expect to have to look at this again in, say, about a month to determine if the June 11th through 13th uh, dates will will work for the festival. So we understand that definitely the situation is very fluid and is going to be changing. So we're expecting to have to look about the middle of May to determine whether or not we're going to be able to hold the festival in June. They're expecting the peak of the virus to hit Missouri about May 15th through 18th. So um, we're, we're definitely expecting to have to look back then again to see if we feel it will be safe to hold a festival in the middle of June. And typically about how many people visit the Mushroom Festival each year? Do you have those figures offhand? Definitely. You know, um, one thing that I, I kind of brag about is that the Mushroom Festival has continued to grow. Um, this would be my seventh one. Last year, we reached 20,000 visitors to our community for the festival. And do you have kind of a ballpark idea as to, uh, as to roughly how much revenue it brings into to Ray County? for sure how much revenue it brings into the county. I know that when people come here, you know, they go and they visit our restaurants, they go to our gas stations, they stop at Walmart or the dollar store, you know, because they forgot their sunblock or need to pick up a, a bag or things. So it definitely does make a difference for our community and brings in revenue, as well as all of our vendors are required to pay sales tax on the sales that they do here. So the city actually makes revenue off of it as well. Natalie Lamar, Director of the Richmond Area Chamber of Commerce, thank you so much for being a guest on Ray County Voices, our podcast, and um, and thanks for your thanks for the the chamber's support of this podcast. Definitely, I'm excited to be able to be the first one um, to get to participate with the podcast, and I think that this is a fantastic step in everything up to date and um, keeping the newspaper relevant and going in these times. Thank you so much. Kirk Thacker is known to many folks inside and outside of Ray County as a coach. 
specifically as the varsity head coach of the co-op eight-man football program involving the Hardin Central and Norburn school districts. This spring, he was scheduled to take the helm as Hardin Central's varsity track coach before the coronavirus pandemic put spring sports in limbo. But Mr. Thacker teaches social studies and history at Hardin Central, too. In late March 2020, I was interviewing him by phone as part of my duties as sports editor for the Richmond News for a story examining the effects of COVID-19 on Ray County prep sports. For a few minutes, he swapped his coaching hat for his history teacher's hat. Using the perspective of his knowledge of the flu pandemic of 1918-19, Coach Thacker slash Mr. Thacker provided these insights. Do you feel like that well, the United States, even humankind for that matter, learned anything from the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918-19 that has helped folks manage this pandemic better? You know, after uh, studying that, that, I mean, the, the flu originated before Riley, Kansas, nearest they can say, and then, you know, some of the doughboys, it, it kind of went through for a little bit through the Army. And then those doughboys went overseas to uh, World War One, And then it, that's when it really mutated and went crazy. It went through all the French, British, American, and German troops. And then those doughboys uh, got on ships and came home. And by the time, you know, they're packed on a ship, breathing on each other. And then when they got home, there was no way of containing it, and, you know, that went, you know, you know it, it went about uh, 10 months. Um, October was the worst month of uh, the whole the whole deal. I think there was somewhere, and this is just what my book says. I know there will be different books, but uh, 129,000 Americans died in that month of October, and then all of a sudden in November it just kind of – uh, disappeared, and uh, they believe, you know, that uh, it just ran out of people that were susceptible to it. And, you know, we lost 500, over 500,000 Americans, over 30 million worldwide. Um, the way this looks now, it's not as bad as that, but, you know, it is virus, and it can mutate. It could be as bad or worse. So did we learn anything from them? Uh, I'm not sure we did. We were, uh, you know, like I said, we, we, we think of ourselves as invincible. Oh, well, that was 100 years ago. Those people, we've learned a lot from then. Uh, we don't have to worry. We have the best medicine and best health care in the world. And in some cases we do, but obviously with the shortages of, of things that we need right now, uh, we, we weren't fully prepared. So, uh, and uh, kind of looked back on it as, you know, uh, history does repeat itself. So uh, this shouldn't have been something that took us by surprise. That was Kirk Thacker, Hardin Central teacher and coach. And this is Ray County Voices.
Before moving into our next segment, I need to take time to recognize our sponsors and patrons. They are the Richmond Area Chamber of Commerce and the McFadden family. Thank you for your support. Our final guest for this episode is Mitch Comstock, whose duties include serving as athletic director and golf coach for the Oric R11 School District. Like Coach Thacker, I interviewed him in late March 2020 by phone as part of my Richmond News Sports Editor duties. This is an excerpt from that interview with Coach Comstock discussing the restrictions on prep athletes as directed by the Missouri State High School Activities Association. What, what, I, what I had heard was um, that Misha Courses has said that, that student-led activities are, are, are a no-no, um, but is, is, is Misha, I guess, kind of going on, on the honor system with that? Because, I mean, obviously you can't monitor everybody, and if, say, if, say a group of, of cross-country runners or, or, or track runners say, well, I'm, where we're going to run through the, where we're going to run along Highway 10 or, or whatever, I mean, the, the, there's not a, I guess the question would be, what what does Misha consider to be like a, a student organized activity? Have you received any clarification on that? Yeah, they sent an email out, um, and basically what they said was, you know, we do not want anything taking place that goes against the recommendations of the CDC and you know the shelter in place orders and different stuff that are going on around the state. Um, you know, they said we have no no issues with students being active. If you know if they want to go out and run by themselves, you know, we're perfectly fine with that. But if they're getting together in a group of twenty or twenty five kids and going out and running, that really defeats the idea of social distancing. So they're they're trying to encourage the coaches to I guess discourage their athletes from doing that. Um, you know I think as coaches, we, we want our kids to be as involved as we can and, and do everything we can, but we also need to respect the fact that, you know, there's a, a very major thing going on right now that that if we encourage them to, you know, lead something and get their teammates involved, then we're, you know, then we're really promoting something that isn't in their best interest. So um, as far as who's monitoring that, you know, a lot of vicious stuff is just on the honor system, you know, um, you know, when I have to verify that all of my athletes have 14 practices and nobody really checks on that. I just have to be honest and, and say, yes, you know, these students have had 14 practices. The only time that comes into play usually is if, if somebody calls down to mission questions it. Um, so most stuff that we do is, is on the honor system. And, you know, that's part of being a professional is doing the things that But it kind of sounds like Misha, like the CDC, is wanting to to say, well, you you can train, but you got to keep it small. You it's basically more individual oriented, huh? Yep, yep. Go ahead and you know, you're a track athlete, run, stay in shape. But you know, they they really don't want the schools encouraging group activities. So you know, obviously. Um, if five kids get together and we have no idea that they're doing that, there's really not anything we can do about it, but they don't 
coaches saying, hey, Johnny, I want you to text all your buddies and get together at 5 o'clock at the track and, and do a workout. Um, so just kind of keeping, trying to keep the, the schools from going against the, the orders that are in place. That was Mitch Comstock, Warwick Athletic Director and Coach. You're listening to Ray County Voices. Before moving into our next segment, I need to take time to recognize our sponsors and patrons. They are the Richmond Area Chamber of Commerce and the McFadden family. Thank you for your support. For the final segment of this episode of Ray County Voices, I've decided to share how I recently attempted to deal with the coronavirus pandemic as a sports fan. These musings originally appeared in altered form as my From Prep to Pro column in the April 3rd edition of the Richmond News and its sister newspaper, the Excelsior Spring Standard. Enjoy. For a few magical days, a Richmond team and its parent league carried on with their sports season as the coronavirus spread. Then poof, the Richmond team and its league disappeared from the sports landscape like a package of toilet paper at Harps, or Walmart, or Rice Chopper, or pretty much any store selling toilet paper. You wouldn't find this Richmond team in Richmond, Missouri, the mushroom capital of the world, nor Richmond, Kansas, located roughly one hour, 50 minutes southwest of said mushroom capital of the world, if Google Maps is correct nor in any other Richmond in the United States, like the famous one in Virginia, or the not-so-famous one in California. No, if Google is correct, this Richmond is 9,301 miles southwest of the mushroom capital of the world. In Australia, mate. Recently, while seeking anything remotely sports-related to report on as a journalist and or follow as a fan, I did an online search. It led me to Australian rules football, a sport that combines seemingly every game on earth except tiddlywinks. Aussie rules football also is a sport I briefly played about 20 years ago with the Kansas City Power, a team started by Australian expatriates. To my surprise, I learned the Australian Football League, the big didgeridoo of Aussie rules leagues, was staging games, sans spectators, under a shortened schedule and with the understanding play could cease at any time. One AFL team, I learned, is based in Richmond, a section of Melbourne. Or is it a suburb of Yarra? Or is it a section of Yarra which is a suburb of Melbourne? Or is it... Ah, oh, forget it. Even an Aussie-file like me has trouble figuring out how the blokes and shaglas down under classify cities, neighborhoods, and so on. Whatever it is, the down-under Richmond has a pro Aussie rules football team. And here's a fact that might interest anyone listening in, say, nearby Excelsior Springs, or not-so-nearby-ly Summit. This football team's nickname is the Tigers. Oh, and here's something that might interest area sports fans who appreciate football teams with winning traditions, like the Excelsior Springs Tigers, Richmond Spartans, Kansas City Chiefs. 
The Richmond Tigers have won 12 league titles, or premierships as they call them in the AFL, dating back to when the AFL was branded as the Victorian Football League. Richmond's most recent title was in 2019, the team's second in three seasons. Feeling connected to this winning club based in a community with the same name as my hometown, I threw my support behind the Richmond Tigers. Having played for, fine, mostly practiced with, the Kansas City Power, I prayed the Blokes and Shaglas, who support the Port Adelaide Power, the AFL club that shares the Kansas City team's nickname, would say, no worries, Mike, rather than consider me a traitor. Alas, I missed the Tigers season opener, a 105-81 win March 19th at the Melbourne Cricket Ground over the Carlton Blues, who have, or had, the last I knew, a team with the same nickname in St. Louis. Fortunately, highlights were available on YouTube. Surprisingly, watching two teams play in an empty stadium did not seem odd. Rather, it was reminiscent of my brief stint with the Kansas City Power when we played for a few fans, usually players' wives, girlfriends, and friends. Stoked from watching the highlight video, I eagerly researched to see if any live broadcasts of games would be accessible online or through my satellite provider, DirecTV. I was thrilled to find a few telecasts on FS1. A few even started around 10 and 11 p.m. Central Daylight Time, or about 3 or 4 p.m. the following Tuesday of the next week in Australia. The time difference, you know. The knowledge that I wouldn't have to pull an all-nighter to watch them live made me say, Yay! The night of March 21st, I was fortunate to catch some streaming audio of North Melbourne versus St. Kilda on AFL.com.au, the league's official website. The play-by-play's announcer's enthusiasm captured the sports souped-up pace familiar to anyone who's played or seen Aussie Rules football. Talk about being in sports fan heaven. I also caught streaming audio of a game after North Melbourne versus St. Kilda, Hawthorne versus Brisbane. Sadly, I learned while listening to Hawthorne versus Brisbane that the AFL was suspending play. The news was confirmed during a press conference carried live on FS1. The AFL CEO announced the suspension of games through May 31st with the league planning to reevaluate at the end of April. The AFLW, the Women's Aussie Rules League, was halting play too. No more following the Richmond Tigers. No more following Aussie Rules. Period. Poof. As of this recording, the options on planet Earth for following an active physical sports league are few. The ones drawing the most media attention are the premier soccer leagues in Belarus and Nicaragua. But after watching some videos of the games in those countries, doing some research and reflecting, I've decided I'm not interested in following those leagues. No, I've got better ways to spend my pandemic-induced spare time than following the athletic goings-on in countries that smack of dictator-led regimes where you can be imprisoned for belching the wrong way. I can catch up on housework and yard work. I can catch up on movies and TV shows, like Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I watched a few days ago, and I recommend. I can play video games, and I have. 
I can get back into gardening after a long absence. I can even try to find toilet paper at eh, pretty much any store that sells toilet paper. And this concludes this episode of Bray County Voices. Once again, I'm your host, Sean Roney of the Richmond News. Thanks again to our sponsors and patrons, the Richmond Area Chamber of Commerce and the McFadden family. If you want to be a sponsoring business or supporting patron of this podcast, contact Sharon Donut, media specialist with the Richmond News and Town & Country Leader. Her email address is sharon at leaderpress.com. That's sharon at leaderpress.com. She also can be reached at the Richmond News at 816-776-5454. That's 816-776-5454. I've also provided online links to Sharon's information if that's more convenient. Thanks also to Buzzsprout, the online host for this podcast. And finally, thanks to all of you for listening. Ray County Voices strives to inform and serve you. So check back next month when our next episode of Ray County Voices goes live. Until then, take care and stay safe. Ray County Voices is produced by the Richmond News in association with MoMA Multimedia, an imprint of Mutt Media LLC. It is directed and engineered by Sean Roney. Music for Ray County Voices is composed by Sean Roney and performed by the music collective Sacred and Secular. The copyright for this podcast is owned by the Richmond News and MoMut Multimedia. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of the Richmond News and MoMut Multimedia is prohibited.